This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Hey, everybody. Welcome into 5th Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack of 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show here with you. Another edition of What Are We Doing Now? Where you can't even form complete words and sentences. But we will manage to do so today. At least complete words for the most part. And occasionally complete sentences. Uh, if that's the kind of analysis and breakdown and reaction you're looking for. And aren't we all? Be sure to tap follow up in the upper right hand corner of your Odyssey app. And you will get reminded as soon as new episodes of Fifth Avenue Face Off are available. And they are available several times a week right out through the end of the regular season and into the play mm, playoffs uh into the post mm, mm, postseason as long as that lasts we'll still be with you here throughout the summer as well maybe just not as often however often we do the episodes again inside your odyssey app you tap follow up in the upper right hand corner if you get the podcast another way just click follow or subscribe or whatever you got to do like it to make sure you get new episodes or get notified of new episodes again as soon as they're available uh, if you've got the ability to leave a rating or a review go ahead and do that i'm giving you two thumbs up right now if you're watching the pod on youtube and you can subscribe there as well. We are on 93.7 The Fan's YouTube channel. Uh, just click the little notification bell there. Every time there's a new video from 93.7 The Fan, you will be told of it. And that includes new episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. With all of the uh, housekeeping, with all of the business up out the way, stay up out my business. Um, let's talk about how the Penguins did not handle business on Tuesday night in Newark. Ugly, ugly 5-1 loss to the New Jersey Devils. And there are many layers to it, which we'll break down in a couple of minutes, um, that really are, that stem from organizational failures all the way down to just personnel failures, individual personnel. Um, and again, there's, Plenty of details to get into regarding that performance. What has started to strike me is that this was a team that for the first time all year, and they've had, look, they've had blips on the radar here and there where they looked less than 100% invested. I think every team goes through that, through the ups and the downs and the, the, the ebbs and the flows of an 82-game regular season. But last night, when they went down 4 nothing in particular, I, man, you could probably even say when they were down 3 nothing, you could feel 
watching the Penguins at that point was like watching a balloon, a, a, a balloon <laughs> swirling around an empty room as the air is rushing out of it. Quite literally, they look deflated. Then four nothing, and then from there five nothing, and then the lone goal scored by Brian Russ that at that point didn't mean anything. Um, and you could hear it in Mike Sullivan's voice as well, which again we'll get into when we talk about just the 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 levels of failure that this organization is reaching, or I guess where failure is occurring on many different levels. But this is the first time I got a sense that it can't be saved. I know there have been dark moments this year where you went, oh man, geez, do these guys really deserve to make the playoffs? Oh man, geez, what's going to happen if they do make the playoffs? They're going to get bounced in four or five by Boston or whoever they play. There have been plenty of moments where we've had questions, right? Rightfully so. The way they've played has given us reason to question them. But this is the first time, now with just four regular season games left and officially out of the picture uh, behind both the Panthers and Islanders in the wildcard race, this is the first time where in the midst of a game, as it was happening, we're late in that third period on Tuesday night, as you saw the score of the Florida game wrapping up, you felt, I think, like, oh boy, they're they're not going to make it, are they? Because at least to this point in the year, we always had time, right? Time seemed to be on their side because it's Sidney Crosby, it's Genie Malkin, it's Chris Letang, it's Mike Sullivan. They know how to win in crunch time. They'll figure it out, has been the mantra all year. They'll figure it out. Whether it's Penguin fans locally or you listen to the national media, especially the Canadian media, they'll figure it out. I I can't bet against Sidney Crosby, right? And this is a fine line of logic and thinking to have until you get to this point where you go, what, huh? 5-1? Ooh. And there's only four games left, and now, now they're behind? Now, all that being said, and we will do more math later, all that being said, I know what I told you on the last episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff, which was, they're going to lose to Jersey. They're probably going to lose to Minnesota, too. I warned you of it. And I warned you that the sky would be falling. And I warned you that people would be ready to march on PPG Paints Arena with pitchforks and torches. And I still believe that's going to happen. Just found out a few moments before we hit record on today's podcast, Marc-Andre Fleury going to get the start in net for the Wild Thursday night at PPG Paints Arena. Oh my, that's just what we need, right? To feel like Marc-Andre Fleury is effectively sticking a fork in the Penguins' playoff hopes in Pittsburgh because one of their biggest problems is they don't have any goaltending they can rely on. I don't know why I just keep poking my fingers at the camera. Um, All the more reason to watch it on YouTube if you haven't yet tried it there to see the ridiculous faces and the poking of my fingers at the camera. Anyway, this is the first time, though, where I think it's really started to sink in for the most ardent believers. Look, there are people who have been telling us since... Look, you have those... Those negative Nancys 
who have been telling you since the beginning of October, ah, they're not going to make it this year. This will be the year. All those guys are getting too old. Um, And then you had people who, what, after Christmas, around the turn of the new year, would tell you to say, oh, this is going to be the year. You know, people have slowly climbed onto that bandwagon. But now, look, it's not a bandwagon anybody wants to be on, but even the most ardent supporters who have believed all year, that'll figure it out. You never bet against Sidney Crosby. Even those people, I'll lump myself into that group, are saying, they're not going to make it, are they? Now, again, I told you on the last episode, they're going to lose to Jersey. They're going to lose to Minnesota. They're going to wrap up the season with a chance to win their final three and most likely put themselves in because Florida, after last night's uh, Tuesday night's win over Buffalo and what I imagine will be a Thursday night win against the Senators, Florida's got to wrap it up on the road at Washington and then against Toronto and Carolina. Those are games that I don't suspect Florida wins against Toronto and Carolina and perhaps not even against Washington. If that's the case, hey, pens are in. Everything's okay, right? But, but, the margin is now razor thin. Razor thin. I can't get my fingers any closer together without them touching. And we've seen what happens to this Pittsburgh Penguins team against even over the last month or so, lesser competition. They can still fold up like a cheap tent. They can. I mean, they nearly blew it in the third period against the Capitals. They did blow it in the third period against Detroit after coming back to tie it. They've blown it against Montreal. They've blown it against Ottawa. So having Detroit, Chicago, and Columbus on the schedule to wrap things up, there's no guarantees there. Should they beat all three of those teams? If they're a playoff team, yes, they should. But you'll find out if they're a playoff team, in essence, by watching those final three games. Because I don't suspect they beat Minnesota on Thursday. If they do, okay, great. It helps a little bit. And would continue that win-loss, 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 win-loss streak we've talked about for the last two and a half weeks. But don't be surprised if we all wake up on Saturday morning as the Pens get ready to face the Red Wings in an early 1 p.m. Eastern face-off that day on ABC. Don't be surprised if we wake up Saturday morning and the Penguins are a full three points behind the Florida Panthers in the standings with just three games to play. They can still get in. They should get in. If they're a playoff team, big if, right? If they're not a playoff team, well, they won't get in. I, you see, I'm trying to trying to tell you the last three games will be the opportunity for this team to show that, hey, we can get it together when we absolutely have to against lesser competition and get into the playoffs. God knows what will happen once we get there. Or we can let a warm stream slowly trickle down the inside of our leg and miss the playoffs for the first time in nearly two decades. That's what it boils down to. And you got all of that. Again, we'll get deeper into the math before we wrap things up here today. But you got all of that in a nutshell in New Jersey on Tuesday night. We'll break down each aspect of it individually. From Mike Sullivan to the big three and the core of this team, the top two lines that have been producing despite the team losing. 
the just absolute vacuum of a presence between the pipes and just, I guess, how it's all coming home to roost as this season rapidly approaches its end, whether it's next week or in a few weeks. And again, we'll break down the hashtag math uh, a little bit more before we wrap up as well. Eric Tangrady not with us today. He's got a ton going on because he's a busy human. And we're going to get him in hopefully again before the end of the week to talk about where things go in those final three games. But we take a look back on Tuesday, specifically in Jersey, and where things sit for some very important people in this organization now. We do that next right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in. Chris Mack of 93.7 The Fan with you on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Follow it. Whatever you got to do to make sure you get notified as soon as new episodes are available to you. And for however long we're doing this multiple times a week, hopefully a few more weeks at least, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Uh, Not sure if you could hear that or not. Um, The Penguins, as long as they're continuing to play, we will get you episodes a couple times every week. Once the season's over, we'll probably dial it back just a little bit, but we'll continue to update you, obviously, on the Stanley Cup playoffs, however they uh, continue. And uh, we'll probably open it up a little bit wider as well to some other talking points as the offseason is going to be a big one for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll get into that in just a couple of moments as a part of our look at the loss to the Devils Tuesday night. But let's start with the picture now. Uh, We will do more hashtag math uh, in just a few moments to wrap up this episode to give you an idea of where things go from here. But they are on the outside looking in now. 86 points the Penguins have in 78 games. The Islanders and Panthers have also played 78 games and each have 87 points. And that puts them ahead of the Penguins, obviously. The Penguins now firmly entrenched in the netherworld of mediocrity. I'd call it that because the Sabres, the Senators, the Red Wings, those teams that sit immediately behind them in the standings, but, you know, five, six, seven points behind them. They all have clear paths for the future, right? In Buffalo, it's about all the young guys they've accumulated. In Detroit, 
similar young guys they've accumulated, although one or two they've shipped out. They, they have a plan, at least, in place, even if they haven't been able to pull it off over the last couple of years. They have an idea for moving forward. The Ottawa Senators, sitting between those two in the standings, they also have a plan for moving forward. And it feels like they may get there sooner than anybody expected them to, especially with new ownership coming in over the course of the next six months, you would expect. Maybe even it's, maybe it's Deadpool. Maybe the Ottawa Senators are owned by Ryan Reynolds and his group soon enough. Either way, those three franchises all have a definite path forward. The teams behind them, the Capitals, seem to have a path forward, kind of slowly retooling around Alex Ovechkin. The Flyers, Canadiens, and Blue Jackets, they've got more work to do. Uh, And then you've got the teams ahead of the Penguins, Panthers, and Islanders. The teams that have done things right this year, even if you question how much longer it can go. The Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Devils, the Maple Leafs, the Lightning, all right there, hoping to simply get hot at the right time going into the playoffs. The Bruins, head and shoulders above everybody else. So there are, I guess, five tiers, I would call it, within the Eastern Conference. And the Penguins are firmly in that third tier with the Florida Panthers and New York Islanders. Unfortunately, one member of that third tier of teams is going to end up golfing rather than playing hockey as of April 17th when the Stanley Cup playoffs start. And it's looking increasingly like it's going to be the Penguins, right? I went over the situation on the last episode. We'll get into more of the hashtag math uh, towards the end, as I mentioned. But as they sit on the outside looking in, their numbers, despite where they sit in the standings, the numbers, like the goal differential, for example, they don't look like they belong with Florida and the Islanders. They look like they belong with Buffalo and Ottawa and Washington. Two of those teams are are young and getting younger in Buffalo and Ottawa. Two of those teams are old and not doing much to get much younger. In Washington, they're trying at least. In Pittsburgh, not so much. They're all single-digit negatives in the goal differential after somewhere between 76 and 78 games played. They are all mediocre. You know, I said this a couple weeks ago. I reiterated it in the last episode. This is where a mediocre team ends up. Beating the teams they should beat and losing to the teams that are better than them, they'll probably end up in the playoffs. You know, in a world like the NBA where we've got, you know, six through 10, or excuse me, seven through 10 play-in games, uh, a system that Ray Ferraro argued for last week when we had him on the podcast. Go back and listen to that one in case you missed it. We're not worrying about much here, right? I mean, they're ninth. They get, what, probably play the the Sabres or the Senators, a young up-and-coming group in a one-game play-in to then go on and play, uh, I don't know, the loser of a Panthers-Islanders game, maybe. Would you feel good about them winning that game, though? And if they did, if they did, if we had the NBA playoff system in place in the NHL, like Ray Ferraro kind of suggested last week, it would be Florida seven right now, Islanders eight, Penguins nine, Sabres 10, or or Senators 10. But going by tiebreakers right now, it would be Buffalo. If the Penguins played the Buffalo, the Buffalo, the Penguin played a Buffalo for one game, One game only to see who advances to the next play-in game and who may get into the playoffs, right? Would you trust them to beat the Buffalo? 
Would you trust the Penguin to beat the Buffalo right now in a one-game situation? I wouldn't feel great about it. Not the way they're playing now. But let's say they did. Let's say they eliminated those plucky upstart Buffalo and played the loser of a Panthers-Islanders game. Because the winner would be cemented in as the seven seed, right? For those not familiar with the NBA playoff system, now that's how it works. Seven, eight play, winner, bang, you're seven seed. Loser, you got to play the winner of the nine, 10 game to get the final spot in the playoffs. Congratulations, you get to go to Boston. Uh, but let's say, let's let's just say, you know, the, the Panthers lose to the Islanders in that situation, in that seven, eight game. And the Penguins have to beat the Panthers now to get in, in this mythical, expanded, playoff, NBA-style field. Would you trust him to beat the Panthers in a single game? No. I. The point is, you can't trust the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Penguin, to beat any team in a single-game scenario, outside of maybe the Flyers, right? I don't even know if I trust them to beat the Flyers. They nearly blew it against the Flyers on Sunday night. You can't trust them to beat anyone. And that's how you end up on the outside looking in with just four games left. And it's reflected in how their head coach spoke Tuesday night after that ugly loss to the Devils. Mike Sullivan, I don't think, has ever sounded as lost for a solution to their ills as he did Tuesday night after the loss to the Devils. The man sounds like the visual representation of Mike Sullivan right now would be the guy who's stuck in rush hour traffic trying to get home for like his kid's birthday party. But there's construction and it's down to one lane, probably on like 51 or 28 or some other road that's equally frustrating to try and navigate in rush hour. And he's stuck where he can't turn off and go some back way. He can't turn around. He's just got to sit in the traffic now. And he's just throwing his hands up. Throw the hands up. And I don't know. And he gets home and everybody's mad because he's late. Or maybe he doesn't get home because that's what the Penguins will be talking about. They'll be talking about uh, missing the playoffs. And he sounded lost, hopeless, and directionless. Or maybe that's the problem. He keeps plowing ahead in the same direction. Even though the personnel at his disposal screams for not moving ahead in the same direction. Or if he wants to plow ahead in the same direction using different personnel or the same personnel in different ways. Look, Ron Hextall has handed him an Easter basket full of eggs and about half of them are rotten. Hey, that's tough. If you got a 50-50 shot of pulling an egg out of that basket on Sunday and it's rotten, the odds are not good. They're not in your favor. But you've got to make the best of what you got. So take those rotten eggs, fire them against the wall. They stink? Okay, let them sit over there. Get them out of the way. Find the good eggs. And they do have good eggs, right? Sidney Crosby of Genie Malk and Chris Letang having great seasons for players their age, at least until the last couple of weeks. We'll get into that in a second. And there are guys who could have been utilized, especially over the last couple of weeks, once the cap concerns kind of started to get pushed out of the way and the injury concerns didn't have to be counted on in order to bring people up. You get a 
Brock McGinn off the roster. Give yourself just a little bit of wiggle room. See me wiggling my shoulders there on the YouTube version of the show. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Um, a little bit of wiggle room. Yet those guys aren't being used. Valtteri Pustinen, uh, Alex Nylander, whoever you want to talk about. No, you, 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 you stay down in Wilkesbury, will you? Jeez, how are you going to be able to help us? You don't have any experience at this level. Well, the guys that do have the experience aren't helping. Je- Jeff Jeff Carter's not really helping. Brian Brian Dumoulin's not really not really helping. And I understand health issues are more of a problem on the blue line right now, but they're not helping. The guys that you've rode with all year, and we all assumed you were riding with those guys, Mike Sullivan, because you had to. Yeah, in some cases you had to. But now you're at a point where you don't have to, where you've got a terrifyingly stale team looking bored and uninterested at times. Maybe you do need to inject some of those guys who could give you a breath of fresh air. Now, with just four games left in the season, it might be too little too late. But you saw guys like Alex Nylander get an opportunity a couple of weeks ago, and then immediately they're shuffled right back to Wilkes-Barre. And it's unacceptable. You know, I have been a staunch Mike Sullivan ally for the better part of the last two and a half years when people have banged the drum for this isn't good enough, this isn't good enough, this isn't good enough. I have stood there and given all the reasons for why Mike Sullivan was nowhere near the top of the list of priorities for things that needed to be rectified, right? It was goaltending. It was injuries. It was injured goaltending. It's a number of different things each year that seem to be the problem over these past four years of not getting out of the first round. And this is going to be year five of not getting out of the first round. And perhaps not even getting into the first round. And finally, I think it's time to question, and not just question, Mike Sullivan, but tell Mike Sullivan, if you don't get into the playoffs, via con Dios, my friend. You have been a wonderful asset to this team. But you're not getting through to him anymore. You're just not. And if the problem is with the players that have been provided to you, and in many cases, that is the problem, then use different ones. You know, the GM is going to be out the door, I think many of us suspect, within the next month or so. Or at least he damn well should be. If Mike Sullivan does stick around, and look, I, I, I think I've had I've had my fill with the, oh, you know, we we uh we played the right way. You know, the, the hockey's a hard game. This is a good opponent. Things just didn't go our way. I understand that's his personality. He's not a Rick Bonus type who's going to question the heart and the character of his players. He's not a John Tortorella type who's just going to light the room up and and just fire darts in every direction, hoping to hit as many people as possible so he can get a reaction and get them to go play. That's not Mike Sullivan. Okay, fine. If that's not you, Sully, and you want to stick around, and we want to blame the GM, or we want to blame... The pieces of the bottom six that the GM gave you. That's, a fi- that's fine. That's all well and good. But here's what I'm going to tell you, Mike Sullivan. If you are back in the fall, and I, do, I, I don't think the Penguins will relieve Mike Sullivan of his duties. Even if they lose 
these last five games and tumble hopelessly out of the race. They won't can them. I don't think they will. They should if that's the case, but they won't. If they if they keep Mike Sullivan around, again, he's not even near the top of the list of problems for this team, but at a certain point, you got to address it. If they do bring him back, it's got to be a, hey, we better be in playoff position come post-All-Star break, come February 1st, come a Valentine's Day. Whatever date you want to put on it in the second half of the season, we better be in playoff position. Or, you know what happened to Dan Bilesma before you? You know what happened to Michael Terrian before him? It, it can happen to you too. And guess what? Each of the two times we got rid of guys, we went on to win cups. We went on to win cups. Sorry, not Dan Bilesma. Bilesma was brought in in relief of Terrian and led them to a cup. Sullivan was brought in in relief of Mike Johnston, who was a disaster. Uh, point remains the same. The last two of the last three times the Pittsburgh Penguins won Stanley Cups or their last two Stanley Cup winning head coaches have been brought in late in the regular season. And it worked. It lit a fire under those guys. Now, that being said, is there much of a fire left to light under these guys? The power play, which is where you get all of the talent that has worked for this team on the ice at the same time together has been awful. Two of just their last, just two of their last 18, sorry, I should say. And in just two games against playoff teams, just twice against playoff teams since Christmas, have they scored multiple power play goals. One of those games was a game where they went three of five, I think it was against Florida, who's only in playoff position now because, well, the Penguins can't score on the power play. You know, you can not get away with 0 for 6 against the Boston Bruins. Now, you can at the very least find a reason or an excuse for it, right? 0 for 6 against Bruins, one of the best penalty-killing teams in the league, best team in the league overall. Okay, 0 for 6. Eh, we understand that may be the way it goes when we get into the playoffs, and that'll lead to an early first-round exit. But when you're playing Detroit, when you're playing Ottawa, when you're playing Philadelphia, when you're playing the teams that you should be beating, you can't struggle on the power play. And to their credit, against Philadelphia, what, they go one for four, I think? I mean, they had a game against Colorado. So I take that back. I should have qualified it with Eastern Conference playoff teams when I said they only have multiple playoff goals or multiple power play goals against two playoff teams since Christmas. It would be three, technically. Two Eastern Conference. Because they went two for four against Colorado a few weeks ago, right? But that's that's it. I mean, two for their last 18 on the power play, and Sidney Crosby has started to disappear. We talked about this in the last episode. Maybe it's just a 35-year-old starting to look like a 35-year-old after playing every single game of the regular season. It's only the second time he's done it. Assuming he plays the final five remaining games, which I imagine he will. But they're not going to be anybody in the playoffs much less win three of the final four games they need to win to secure a playoff spot by going less than 10% on the, or just barely over 10% on the power play. It's not good enough. 
because that's where we have seen the elite level talent show itself. They played well at even strength as well in many in many instances, but they've got to take advantage of the power play opportunities as well. That being said, even if they take advantage advantage, pardon me, of those power play opportunities, the goaltending hasn't been good enough. And we're back at it again, right? Tristan Jari gives up five to the Devils. Uh, after Casey DeSmith, I thought played really pretty well against Philadelphia. Uh, but Tristan Jari's last game against Boston, he wasn't the reason they lost to the Bruins. He had just, just goaltended a shutout against the Nashville Predators. And Casey DeSmith in his two games previous to the start against the Flyers, a meltdown in the third period against the Red Wings and a near total meltdown against the Capitals in the third period. They don't have the goaltending. Even if, let's say they win three out of their final four, and I still think that's exceedingly possible, if not probable. If they win three of their final four, the Penguins, and go into a first round series against the Boston Bruins, heck, against Carolina or maybe even New Jersey. Who who in the playoff field are they going to have an advantage over in goaltending? No one. No one. This is why Thursday night against Minnesota uh, at home against the Wild is going to be a particularly tough kick to the undercarriage um, because you're going to see Marc-Andre Fleury in that for Minnesota. And look, it's revisionist history for anyone to sit there and, and, and try to tell you with a straight face that at the time of the Vegas expansion draft, they would have kept Flurry and traded Murray. Everyone and their mother and brother and sister and uncle agreed the move was to keep Murray and trade Flurry. But damned, if you could go back in time right now, if you could borrow Marty McFly's 1983 DeLorean, maybe it was an 85, I don't know, to be quite honest. If you could find a flux capacitor and go back and redo it, I think we'd all redo it a different way, right? We'd all go back and keep Flurry. Because even as he's gotten older, much like the rest of the core that he came up with, Crosby, Malkin, Letang, he has continued to produce. And I don't think you're in this position. Again, it's revisionist history. It's 2020 hindsight. But you're not in this position, I don't think. These aren't the guys, Jari and DeSmith, to consistently stand up and make the big saves when you need them in the clutch. They're just not. They may do it occasionally, but not often enough. And so you're left, even if they somehow start to get things together down the stretch in the final four games and get themselves into the playoffs and the power play comes to life against the Bruins, goaltending is still going to come up short, especially when it's got to try and outplay Linus Olmark, four times in seven games. Not going to happen. Which brings us to what will be, I imagine, another early exit, right? Whether it's a first-round exit or it's an exit at the end of the regular season. And all of a sudden, the chickens, they start to come home to roost as far as what Ron Hextall has done. And you start to look at what the picture is for this summer. Whether it's Ron Hextall or someone else in charge, $14 million, more than $14 million, has already been committed to next year's team for Jeff Petrie, Jeff Carter, and Mikhail Granlund. Granlund and Petrie, 
for three more years each. Huh. How in the hell? How in the hell are they going to get out from underneath that when you've got to re-sign Jason Zucker? I, I, I don't see a way out of it. Does anybody have any compliance buyouts laying around? No, those aren't a thing anymore. Yet they're screwed is the problem. Sorry to be so blunt about it. If hell and screw are words you don't want the kids to hear, all you got to do is say earmuffs. Tell the kids earmuffs. They'll be okay. Um, they're screwed. Sorry, earmuffs, kids. They're screwed. They're effed. Because the salary cap picture is an ugly one. Now, look, you've got a great deal like Ricard Raquel at $5 million bucks a year for the next five years after this. Is it five or six more? Doesn't matter. Five more after this year. Uh, same thing goes if Brian Rust can pick his level of play back up. 5.1 for the next five years. I'm okay with that. I am. I'm okay. But the problem is not having the money, quite possibly, to bring Jason Zucker back, who's been part of the heartbeat of this team this year. Because you've got 14 plus million dollars next year committed to Carter, Granland, and Petrie, who has started to look just absolutely terrible down the stretch. Sorry, two more years after this year. Three years in total, counting this season. I apologize. But here nor there, you're screwed. Five million bucks committed to Grandland. Six and a quarter to Petrie. 3.1 plus committed to Carter next year. Whoever the Penguins' next GM is, and hopefully they're employed by, I don't know, May 1st, first week of May, they got a lot of work to do to try and offload those numbers off the books. And I don't know how they do it without giving up more future assets. I don't think they can do it without giving up more future assets. Because if the cap's only going up by about a million dollars, which everybody keeps saying is going to be the case, all the insiders, everybody's going to know that cap space is at a premium. And if you've got an older team looking to offload inefficient deals like the Penguins will be looking to do, why would you do it for them? You only do it for them if they can make it worth your while. If they offer up a POJ or Marcus Pedersen or, I don't know, find a young piece that you think may be able to contribute in a depth role over the coming seasons. Drew O'Connor. Find any kind of piece that you may have some level of affinity for. Guess what? Somebody's going to ask for that in exchange for also taking the Grandland or Petrie or Carter contracts off your hands. They're in a bad, bad way, friends. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon because Ron Hextall has negotiated them right down into a hole. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, so all that being said, now that we've extrapolated it out, we've laid blame at Ron Hextall's feet, we've laid blame at Mike Sullivan's feet, blame at Crosby, Malkin, and Latang's feet, and of course, plenty of blame at the goaltender's feet and those depth pieces. Everybody catches blame and shade and all that today. You're telling me they can still get it done? Yep. 
Uh, I've got it for you before we wrap things up here. More hashtag math coming up next on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back into 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack. Be sure, before you are done listening to this episode, hit pause right now. Right there in the middle of the screen. Pause. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, and hit that little notification bell. It'll tell you then exactly when new episodes have been posted on YouTube, 93.7 The Fan YouTube page. Or if you're just listening, audio only, follow, subscribe, like the podcast, and whatever you use to catch those podcasts so that you get notifications and get new episodes as soon as they're available. Because these next few are going to be biggins. Um, Let's do the hashtag math now uh, as we look at the final four games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know Florida won on Tuesday night over Buffalo, which means they have leapfrogged the Penguins into the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference, and the Penguins now sit on the outside looking in. We talked about that earlier. 86 points to Florida's and the Islanders' 87. Each team, four games left. We'll go over it again as we did last episode. The Penguins hosting Marc-Andre Fleury and the Minnesota Wild on Thursday before visiting the Detroit Red Wings Saturday afternoon. Uh, final home game Tuesday night against the Chicago Blackhawks. And then they wrap up the season next Thursday night at Columbus, April 13th. Islanders have Tampa Bay at home on Thursday, Philly at home on Saturday, a trip to Washington on Monday, and a trip to Montreal next Wednesday, the 12th. Florida, they've got Ottawa at home on Thursday, a trip to Washington on Saturday, home against Toronto on Monday, and they wrap up the season Thursday the 13th at home against the Hurricanes. So again, if chalk holds, for lack of a better way to put it, and everybody beats the teams below them in the standings and loses to the teams above them in the standings, we will still end up with the Pittsburgh Penguins getting into the playoffs somehow as the second wild card at 80, no, at, sorry, 92 points a point behind the Islanders at 93 and a point ahead of the Florida Panthers at 91. But it also means that we could very likely end up waking up Saturday morning. I said this earlier with the Penguins three points behind the Florida Panthers in the standings and just a point behind the Islanders and everybody thinking even more so than you already are. Yeah, they're not going to make it. And also putting the Penguins in a position where they must win their final three games. And the Florida Panthers must go through their final two games without gaining a single point. Is that likely? I don't know. It's possible. I don't know if it's probable, but it's possible. The math tells you that if the Penguins lose to Minnesota on Thursday night, they will have to win out, and then they will have to get help. That's not a spot you want to be in, obviously. I'm not breaking any news to you there. And it's also not a spot where we've seen the Penguins have to deal with it. I mean, over the course of the last 17 years, 
they have not been in this spot where they must win. I want to say maybe 2014, 14 or 15, it was sketchy down to the end. Maybe I'm thinking of 13. Those middle years, uh, end of Vilesma, Johnston years, kind of melt together in your brain a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know if they've ever been in a spot in the Sidney Crosby era where they had to win multiple games down the stretch and count on help as well in order to get in. But that's where they'll be. And again, we all know what it means if they do get in. Most likely a first-round defeat at the hands of the Boston Bruins. But this is where I come back around. And this I, I'm going to smack myself on the head. I can't believe I come back around to this, but this is where I come back around. Can you bet against Sidney Crosby? I know. Sidney Crosby, last few weeks, not having the best time. Sidney Crosby, the last few weeks, has started to look... 35. Sorry. It's to be expected that it will happen eventually. A pair of assists against Philly. I know. It's Philly. He always turns it up against Philly. And other than that, where has he been? Sidney Crosby, let's just go through the numbers again real quick, has not scored a goal in almost two weeks. It was a Wednesday night in Dallas. So over two weeks? My math's a little bit off. A little bit fuzzy. But right around two weeks. It was a Wednesday night in Dallas the last time Sidney Crosby scored a goal. March 23rd. And he scored back-to-back against Colorado and Dallas. But the last time Sidney Crosby scored a goal at home against a team with a winning record was February 26th against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wow. He has been cold lately. He has just three points in his last six games. Just five points in his last 10 games. Two goals, three assists. If you're going to get in, if you're going to win three of these final four games, you're going to have to get Sidney Crosby throwing things on his shoulders. It's just that simple. I'd love to say you can count on Malkin or Latang to do it. Latang can't do it all himself while also covering everybody's butt on the back end. Evgeny Malkin may be just as likely to end up in the penalty box as he does putting the puck in the net. His frustration is growing exponentially by the game. So it's got to be Sid. I love Ricard Raquel. I really like Jake Gensel. And if I were... A 13-year-old girl, I'd have a Jason Zucker poster on my wall. But those guys can't do it themselves. Sidney Crosby has to throw this team on his shoulders over the course of the last week and a half. And if he doesn't, if he continues... And I'm not blaming him. Keep this in mind. I'm not blaming Sidney Crosby if they don't get into the playoffs. It will be the failures of everything else that's happened in this organization over the last eight months. I want to be real clear about that. It's not Sidney Crosby's fault if they don't get into the playoffs. But at this point, with all those other failures swirling around, there's nothing else we can count on except that that he will once again be the greatest player in the world for a week and a half 
throw the team on his shoulders and drag them kicking and screaming into the playoffs. It's got to start Thursday against Minnesota. It's got to. Otherwise, it simply won't add up. Hashtag math. I'm Chris Mack. Again, be sure to follow, like, subscribe, whatever you got to do to make sure you get the latest episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff delivered to you as soon as they are available. Uh, Next week, hope to get Scott Burnside on the pod again uh, to talk about where things go once the season is over. And of course, uh, we may still be talking about the hashtag math and what the Pens need to do to get into the playoffs. We will talk to Derek Scully next week as well. Robert Morris, men's head hockey coach, as he's going to be at the Frozen Four this weekend, eyeing things up. Talk to him about, I don't know, maybe some of those college free agents that the Penguins have always had to rely on, who they're going to have to rely on even more if this thing rapidly goes from uh, in the playoffs to out of the playoffs and having to retool slash rebuild around Crosby, Malkin, and Latang perhaps they should have done earlier. We'll get Tango back into the mix as well. Max Boltman of The Athletic later this week, uh, ahead of the Penn's trip to Detroit. Max a Pittsburgh guy of sorts who now covers the Detroit Red Wings. So we will keep you up to date on where this thing goes over the course of the final week and a half. Just four games to go on the outside looking in, but hoping that the hashtag math adds up for them to get in anyway and who the hell knows then we'll see and we'll be here to talk about with you chris math on fifth avenue face off <laughs>